Michael Duke Show. I have two guns, one for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. Michael Dixon. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Firearms uh, Friday, right here on the Michael Duke Show. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is our favorite day of the week. And we are here today to share with you, well, all the good, the good news. This is the gospel of the gun. I know, I mean, people think that we treat it like a religion, but really it's just freedom and liberty that we love. I mean, it's not necessarily just the firearm, you know, that... Guns are fun. I mean, there's no doubt about it. If you go shooting and do a lot of, uh, you know, sport and competition and just target practice, that's a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, it's the freedom part of it that we love. We, It's kind of that implicit relationship between firearms and freedom that uh, really that's what gets us going in the in the in the morning and in the day. Uh, welcome to the program. Uh, we are uh, today out in beautiful um we're at the cosmic hamlet by the sea the cosmic hamlet by the sea in beautiful downtown on the shore homer broadcasting live from the ocean shores resort here uh in uh, on crittenden drive in beautiful homer uh special thanks to mike and the whole crew here at uh, the ocean shores for putting me up a day early since they don't officially open till today and uh they they put me in last night so i thought that was Super nice of them. If you're looking for a place to stay while you're in Homer, uh, you couldn't ask for a better spot than the Ocean Shores right here uh, as you come into town. Beautiful views of the bay and everything else. I uh, just want to say, again, special thanks to Michael Warburton and the whole crew here at Ocean Shores Resorts for uh, putting us up. They are like the official home base of the Michael Duke Show when we're broadcasting remotely in uh, in Homer. I uh, had a great day yesterday as I got a chance to cruise through uh, Soldatna and uh, uh, got a chance to meet up with uh, a couple listeners. Uh, I, I did. Uh, I had a little uh, cup of coffee over there at Ammo Can Coffee and got a chance to say hi to Jeannie. Uh, met a couple other uh, folks uh, when I was across town uh, as well doing some stuff. So it's just been, last couple of days, just been really nice. Really nice to... Uh, uh, to talk to folks and, uh, it's, it's, it's good stuff. So, uh, anyway, um, we are ready to go and ready to jump into all that is the discussion today of, uh, firearms Friday. I apologize if, uh, if my volumes are going up and down a little bit, we're still trying to get some of this stuff adjusted. I'm working with some new kit and, uh, it, uh, it still needs some tweaking. Still need some tweaking, so hopefully uh, you'll you'll stick with us today. All right, so what do we got? Well, we got a lot of 
Well, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. Um, there have been uh, several decisions, and there is movement uh, on um, injunctions on several bills that are going on uh, across the country. We've talked about Brune, the Brune decision, and how um, uh, uh, how that it is going to fundamentally change the landscape of. Uh, of the Second Amendment and the gun and the fight and the battle over firearms and everything else. And it is you're seeing it come to pass right now. You're seeing so many communities that are attempting to cling to the old ways and try and decide for people and try and strong-arm people into unconstitutional laws and gun control things. But it's not going to work. It's, you know, the, the Brune decision uh, just went, it did a lot in pushing... Um, to the forefront, the most important part of this, and that is the historical relevance of any law that would impede the right to keep and bear arms. Um, uh, they've took, taken away a lot of the equity tests and things that courts were using when it came to, uh, came to gun laws and everything else. And now we're seeing the desperation moves by this president, uh, President Biden, and by President Trump before him, where they were just going to, through executive fiat, decide what Americans could or could not own. And we're seeing the courts now finally pushing back on that with the uh, with the uh, f- uh, Fifth and Sixth Circuit Courts, uh, both pushing and uh, basically enjoining uh, the bump stock ban, telling the ATF that they don't have the authority to do that, to basically telling the president that he didn't have the authority to do that uh, unilaterally, that that's Congress's job, and that Congress has abdicated their... <laughs> they've abdicated their responsibility in actually... Um, Well, you know, I don't know, actually writing laws instead of just putting some framework down and then allowing a bureaucracy to do the work. So it's been a uh, the last um, the last uh, uh, eight, 10 months, uh, 15 months over gun control has really been an interesting battle to watch. And I think uh, but now again, I say it all the time. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't don't grow weary in well-doing. Um, but now we've got some more fights on the horizon. Again, bump stocks are in the middle of it. The stabilizing and the arm braces, that's going to be next. And I don't know if any of you have spent any time watching. I do it just for fun. Uh, I do it. I, I, I do it, uh, just for fun. Uh, I like to watch, uh, sometimes the interviews or the hearings where they put the, uh, Dettelbach, the ATF director. I love it when they put him on the. Uh, I love it when they put him on the uh, on the hot seat, and to watch him go. And man, holy cow, did that guy get a new orifice ripped? Uh, I mean, it was just, it was insane to watch him get cross examined by everybody, including Thomas Massey. Um, and trying to justify things like the new stabilizing brace rule. Uh, and the problem is, is that, uh, uh, is that he gave some bad information according to, according to the way the new law is written. He gave some improper advice, um, from a sworn testimony. Now, I'm sure later on he could just go, oh, well, I just misspoke. I just misspoke. And I guess it wouldn't matter that millions of Americans could be affected by his misspeaking. Uh, but it, uh, we're going we're gonna to go into that uh, as well. We're going to talk about HB 61. 
which, by the way, made some headlines. Uh, HB 61, there's actually a story that got picked up in Bearing Arms, um, and uh, and uh, they they picked it up and uh, were talking about it. In fact, they, uh, what are they quoting? They quoted Must Read on the story uh, in Bearing Arms. Uh, but there was some pushback on that bill. There was some pushback on that bill from an unexpected, I guess for most people it would be an unexpected source, and that is the Alaska Gun Rights uh, Organization. Uh, you've seen them on Facebook. You've seen them on social media. They're the ones that have been, you know, lambasting people like Kevin McCabe and others uh, who are conservative, you know, Republicans, but apparently not the right flavor of conservative for them. Um, and they've made some outrageous claims. Uh, Alaska right to life, Alaska, Alaska uh, gun rights. Uh, I mean, some of the things that these guys, it's crazy. I mean, it is literally crazy. And I know some folks out there have been following along on this. I have not been watching that part of it as much because, well, I just, I have a low tolerance threshold for stupidity and craziness. And so I just be like, I roll my eyes and I just click the page closed and I go do something else. Uh, but I know some of you have been following that and uh, I expect that we'll have some conversations about that today uh, when we open up the phone lines, which, well, it, that's coming up here in just a minute because today we're also doing gun Q&A. That is your chance to sound off on issues of a Second Amendment where we talk about whatever it is that you want to talk about. And uh, as long as it's gun-related, we're going to do it. Gun Q&A all day. There is no such thing as a dumb gun question. And so we're going to uh, <clears throat> we're going to leap into that. In fact, I guess I'll just we'll turn the phone lines on right now. How about that? So number to call, 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. We'd love to uh, we'd love to hear from you and see what you have to say today. Um, as I kind of work my way through a lot of the story, and there are a lot of stories here. I really, I, I really want. Oh, uh, this was the. I'm sorry, a little scattered this morning. Uh, I only have one screen. To, I usually have four screens to look at with all my stuff. I've only got one screen with my laptop, so I'm constantly clicking through to figure out where where was I? What was I? What was I saying? Um, I also want to talk a little bit about a new uh, article from uh, Reason Magazine. Uh, Joe Lancaster over at Reason Magazine has got a new report out uh, that came out, uh, I guess, just two days ago, talking about um, it. It's the headline reads this. this is, the headline reads, "Why do federal bureaucrats?" needs so much firepower. A new report details a startling trend. Federal agencies with no obvious law enforcement purview are spending millions each year on guns and ammunition. And it goes through and it starts to highlight um, uh, it starts to highlight the, the amounts of monies spent by these various departments and if that just doesn't make the skin on the back of your neck kind of crawl up a little bit, well, maybe you haven't been a student of history. I mean, I just, I, I look at the numbers and I'm just like, why does the FDA need machine guns? You know, why, why does the Department of Health and Human Services need uh, a bunch of stuff? Why did the, I mean, what is exactly going on here? Uh, you know, what is, what is, what is that? What is, what is happening with that? Uh, the National Institute of Health 
why do they need 929,000 rounds of ammunition? Uh, I, there's just a, there's a, I have questions. Let me just put it that way. Uh, so this article from, uh, from Joe Lancaster over at Reason uh, is going to be on the docket for today as well. In fact, I will just, uh, since I'm sitting right here, I will go ahead and post this one up in the chat room to begin with. And we could start off, uh, we could start off with that here. Uh, in just a few moments as we get ready to go. Oh, by the way, we'll be finishing up the show today with Willie Waffle from wafflemovies.com. We want to kind of excited about that because it's Guardians of the Galaxy Day. And I know that has nothing to do with guns other than it's Guardians of the Galaxy. It's pretty cool. I can't wait to hear more about it. So that's uh, that's kind of it's kind of where we're at right now. All right. So uh, where are we uh, where are we doing? How are we doing on time? Okay. Again, only one screen, constantly scrolling backwards to make sure I'm okay. We are ready to go. Except that's extremely loud. All right, so we're going to fix this. Uh, back with more. The Michael Duke Show continues. We've uh, got hour one. The phone lines are open if you have anything you'd like to say. Uh, I'm expecting a call from... Uh, uh, Jen Robin, one of our uh, one of our Common Sense Corps members, who's been following this whole fight over HB sixty one, so we'll take her call whenever she comes in because we we kind of want to discuss that. I want to know more about this Alaska gun rights thing and why they seem so hell bent on trying to tear down conservatives and stand in the way of a law that I mean literally was trying to keep gun stores open in the in the event of an emergency. And then I'm, I'm just trying to figure it out. Maybe somebody can explain it to me. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. You have no idea how many. I got switches over here, timers over here, one screen. I mean, you have no, I, I should have brought a second screen and just parked it here on the table uh, in, uh, in, the, in, the, in the hotel room because you have no idea how hard it is with, with all that. Uh, oh, man, so many, so many tabs open. So many tabs open. But I will tell you, worth it let me just show you here let me just show you here how worth it it is just so that you can tell uh just still still doesn't do it justice just doesn't do it justice i mean this is this is where i mean i could there's a chair right there there's a little it's a little bench right there and i could just sit there for hours and listen to the ocean and watch the mountains and Oh, this is, this is my spot, man. This is my secret spot. All right. Let's, uh, 
sure we get this on here. Okay. Nope. This way. There we go. All right. So, anyway, broadcasting uh, live from the Ocean Shores Hotel Resort in uh, beautiful downtown Homer. Uh, getting ready for a beautiful Friday. Uh, a little stormy out on the bay, but I don't know. At least it's not snowing, you know. You know, just you know, at least at least it's not at least it's not snowing. That's all I can say. Um, all right, let me go over here and see what you guys have been saying. Um, how am I doing on time? Okay, I'm going back here. Um, uh, Washington, Oregon, and California all on the chopping block and suppressors in Texas. The battle is just about one. Yeah, I've been watching the battle in Texas over Texas-made suppressors, and it's looking like the courts are not buying the argument from the ATF that they are regulating and that they're that they're not firearms. Suppressors are not firearms, but they are firearms. They're not firearms, so they can't be covered by the Second Amendment, but they are firearms because they need to be regulated by the NFA. And I mean, it's, it's a, you watch these arguments, and it's like a ping pong going, you know, ping pong ball going back and forth. And it doesn't look like uh, the courts are going to be uh, buying it. It's going to be, it's going to be fun stuff. Um, if, uh, if Texas is successful, I'm going to start a fuel filter manufacturing businesses, Jeannie. <laughs> Those are solvent traps. Those are not fuel filters. Those are solvent traps, Jeannie. Come on, get with the program. Uh, why do they need so many weapons? Well, that's because it's their job to protect you from you by using guns to enforce uh, gun control onto the citizens to get rid of all guns with guns. That 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 gets the gold star. That's actually going into my little starred category there today, Anthony, because wowza, that's a that's a good one right there. Uh, happy Friday to all of you here. Let's see. Kevin McCabe says, It's funny that Eastman and Kirka were both co-sponsors of the same bill as HB 61 last year. Same exact language. You got to ask why they were now opposed to it. Same exact language, Kevin. I mean, exactly the same thing. Um, I think we call that hypocrisy. I'm just saying, I, you know, don't, don't, don't quote me on that, but I think that's what we call that. I think that's what we call that. The government is absorbing. Uh, the government is absorbing all the ammunition, keeping it out of the hands of the peasants. <laughs> I've heard that as well. That was one of the big things during the Obama administration. That's what was driving the run on ammunition was that the government was buying tens of thousands, millions of rounds. I mean, not even tens of thousands, millions of rounds, and they were serving the government contractors first. That's what was going on. Uh, all right, well, we're coming back here uh, in just a sec. We're about 30 seconds out, and uh, we're going to get ready to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Please like and share the show. Like and follow the show page. Let's, um, I don't want to blow anybody's ears out. Let's uh, let's try this here. Should it go? I'll turn it down just a little bit more. Okay, here we go. Ready to jump onto it. Uh, oh, I can't see the time now. Too many windows. Here we go. Let's get a gun.
Okay, welcome back to the program. It is the Michael Duke Show, and it is Firearms Friday. Good morning, Americans. It's Friday. Stand by for news. Gun news. That's what it's all about. Um, Today, we're talking about firearms and the goody goodness of uh, being able to exercise our Second Amendment rights and basically keep... uh, Keep America, keep America free. That's what it's all about today. Um, All right. Uh, I am broadcasting live, by the way, from uh, our favorite place to be in Homer. Uh, We're down at the Ocean Shores. I'm down, me and we, the Royal We. We're down at the uh, Ocean Shores Resort here uh, in uh, in downtown Homer. Uh, So uh, make sure if you decide to come to Homer, you stop by and see these guys here because they are always so accommodating and uh, we're ready to go. Um, let's, uh, let's, let's get to some of these stories. Um, I think, I think we'll talk about the, uh, bureaucratic firepower to begin with. This is a story again in Reason Magazine, um, from Joe Lancaster, who, uh, who writes for Reason occasionally. And the headline reads the, uh, uh why do federal bureaucrats need so much po- uh, firepower? And there's a new report that details this stuff. There's a new uh, revelation that comes from a newly updated report compiled by Open the Books, which is a government uh, watchdog organization. It follows up on the revelations first made by Open the Books founder and CEO Adam Andrzejewski in the 2016 Wall Street Journal op-ed. Now, I remember this story because it was making all kinds of waves at the time. Like, what was going on? Why did the... (laughs) Why did the federal government need uh, all this stuff? The report alleges that since 2006, 103 federal agencies not contained within the DOD, the Department of Defense, 103 federal agencies have collectively spent $3.7 billion on guns, ammunition, and military-style equipment. Of those 103 agencies, only 27 are traditional law enforcement entities under the Department of Justice and the Department of Homeland Security. That means that the traditional... That means only a, a quarter... That a quarter of those agencies are actually traditional law enforcement entities. That leaves 76 agencies, including the EPA, the IRS, the Department of Health and Human Services, the Food and Drug Administration, the Department of Agriculture. I mean, it, without these are agencies without a direct law enforcement purview. It leaves those agencies as part of that other 76 uh, as it goes through. According to the report, and as the report puts it, and I'm quoting now, there are now more federal agents with arrest and firearm authority than there are U.S. Marines. There are 200,000 federal agents with arrest and firearm authority, and there are estimated about 186,000 U.S. Marines. The IRS in particular has spent $35.2 million on guns and ammo since 2006. Oh, by the way, that was before they got their new $80 billion in funding. 
According to the spreadsheet put together by Open the Books and provided to Reason Magazine, over 9.75 million of the uh, 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 dollars have been spent since 2020 alone at the IRS, including more than $2 million on ammunition, half a million dollars on rifles, half a million on shotguns, 1.1 million on ballistic shields, plus another 1.3 million on various other gear for criminal investigation agents. That's according to a December 2018 report from the GOA. And they said at that point, uh, in 2017-2018, that the agency had 4,461 guns and over 5 million rounds of ammunition in the inventory. For tax... Hmm. For tax collectors. I mean, that's... This is just this is just just one agency, man. One agency, and they're not even they, according to the IRS, uh, with more than an IRS spokesperson in the criminal investigation division, said that with more with a staff of more than eighty one thousand six hundred IRS staff, only twenty one hundred are in the criminal investigation division, which is the invest, which is the division that carries has guns, and you know that's the agents that carry guns. Only twenty one hundred out of eighty one thousand six hundred. But you've got forty four hundred and sixty one guns for twenty one hundred agents and five million rounds of ammunition. What is? I have questions. I have some questions about that. Uh, let's uh, let's go over and uh, see what you guys have to say. I want to continue to discuss this, but I do have a phone call on the line, so let's go over there and see what you have to say. Uh, we'll, if I can get it to unmute so that uh, you can hear the caller. Uh, there we go. Good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, this is Ken. I'm in Wasilla. Hey, Ken. What's on your mind? Uh, uh... Well, about the topic you got right here, uh, I had a question before I got to it because this is a, an amazing topic you're speaking of. Did you read your thread from your show yesterday? Uh, did I read the thread from the show? I uh, did. Facebook, I watched. Yeah, the Facebook, I watched. The Facebook yeah, I watched the thread as it goes yeah, through. I can see it. I can see it live. What specifically were you talking about? Oh, the one yesterday between with McCabe and McKay weighing in so much. Uh, I, and you don't have to do it right now. I just you, you can comment on it later. I just wanted to see if you got to read the whole thing after you were off air. Uh, no, I mean I read it as I'm going through the air. I did see all the comments from the legislators. They're they're both frequent uh, guests in the chat room, so I do watch that as it goes through. Uh, was there something problematic with it, or was there what 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 were you what's your I guess what's your point on that, Ken? Is my yeah, question? It, it, uh, yeah, McKay McKay. Uh, they, I'm popular with them because I'm kind of an antagonist because of some of the things they're promoting and not paying attention to. So it wasn't one thing that McKay did was call out my employer. They found me on on LinkedIn or somewhere and implied, and it, it feels like a threat when somebody brings your employer into the mix. That's all I'm saying. Oh, In I fact, see. it is. I'm not. I don't think it feels like a threat. It is a threat. Right. And I thought it was. It's just extraordinarily uh, unbecoming fascism fascist behavior to goon up on somebody that way it's a threat man he's trying to scare me off and tell me he can't argue the point so what is he trying to do he wants to shut me up right i'm not gonna you know and <laughs> right but hey on your right. right here you know when they're 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 manning up guy uh i didn't want to take your show off topic 
because yeah. today's an important topic you have. You know, they're, the IRS is going to be doing this carbon uh, – there's going to be carbon taxes and things, you know, and they're going to try to implement a whole lot of new controls they've got coming up. And uh, it's not just about going out and seeing if you pay taxes on your home business and things like that. You got to you got to know that if they're they're manning up for something or peopling up. I want to be politically correct and and gearing up for something. You got to wonder what their intentions are. Well, right? yeah. Well, and again, using utilizing there's different ways that you can utilize. Uh, uh, it, you know, whether it's an intimidation tactic of knowing that there's now you know another five or six thousand agents who are going to be armed and in the field and ready to go at any moment. Whether it's like I was talking about earlier during the Obama administration when he was basically ordering all these agencies to buy up all this ammunition and putting a strain on the market so that private citizens couldn't buy it. I mean, it was it really was just utilizing government money to create an artificial shortage for the rest of the people. Right. I mean, we anybody that was really analyzing it saw that that that's what they were doing. They were buying up millions more rounds than they could ever shoot in, you know, in the long term. And they did it because of the demand, uh, you know, by doing that, they basically created scarcity in the market for the common person. I mean, this is the kind of efforts that go on out there all the time. Yeah, and you got to, you know, I've always wondered watching the story, where the heck they stored all this stuff? <laughs> because I got to have mountains of this stuff piled oh, up. Oh, yeah. You know, uh, and and uh, I, I reload and shoot quite a bit myself, and uh They've just about taken they, – they, they do intend to hurt it, and they've been successful. i got to tell you, uh, when you go out and try to buy primers and powder and you look at the cost escalation, and uh, another thing they try to do too is unleash the legal system and just frivolously sue the, the crap out of everybody that touches anything with guns or ammo manufacturing. Oh, yeah. It, it's really bad. No, it, it, it's a multi-pronged front. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. They utilize the, the bludgeon of the federal government against anyone – um, it's like the idea that somehow, well, we're going to pass a law that's unconstitutional and then you, average Joe citizen, have to tell us and go out and fight the battle with the courts to decide that it's not. Um, they supposedly you know, you- held their hand up and swore an oath you know, to uphold and protect the Constitution. That means that you can't pass laws that you know are unconstitutional on their face, uh, but they continue to do it anyway. I mean, I had I had Don Young tell me, uh, on the air, live on the air one day, that it wasn't his job to decide whether a law was unconstitutional or not, um, and uh, that he's kidding me. Uh, a, no, I mean that's what a literal, vacation. I mean that's yeah. exactly it. I mean I said this law on its face is unconstitutional, and he said, well, that's not our job. That's the court's job. We just pass the law. The courts decide whether there's con- no. If you could see on its face that it is unconstitutional, you you swore an oath. You haven't upheld it. Uh, but that's what they do because then they force yeah. the little guy to fight against, you know, jump into that David and Goliath fight of uh, trying to, you know, fight against the federal behemoth who has all the tax dollars in the world to fight you, the little guy. I mean, look at the John Sturgeon case, the John Sturgeon case over Alaska waterways. That case to go all the way to the Supreme Court twice was over two million dollars. Who's I mean, who's who's got that kind of money laying around? To be able to fight that stuff, right? Well, they've got all the money laying around to prosecute it. As a thing, well, I'm sure. Yeah, and exactly. Do you, you look at the recent uh, gun store book grabs too? That was never supposed to happen, right? And, and they're making it happen. They're getting hold of all the book, the uh, registration books, 
Yeah, they were supposed so, to destroy yeah, it after it's 20. All, all part and parcel. Yeah, they rewrote the law so that, I mean, it used to be that you could destroy your, your if you were an FFL, that after 20 years of holding a, a form, somebody comes in, buys a gun, or fills out a 4473, that you had to hold it for 20 years and then it could be destroyed because there was no de facto, there's no registry. So after 20 years, it was going to be destroyed. And then ATF changed the rulemaking and said, no, you had to hold it in, in, as, uh, in, uh, indefinitely, essentially. As long as you are continuing in business, you have to hold it. And then when an FFL folds or gets revoked or turns their thing back in and retires, they're now required to turn over all the 4473s to the ATF who, guess what? They're holding on to them, which is, in fact, a de facto gun registry, which is totally against the law and in their purview. And uh, again, go back and watch Dettelbach's testimony on all this stuff. You could see this guy weasel around on it. All right, Ken. Well, hey, thank you for your call. I appreciate you being part of it today. Um, this this whole thing, uh, I just absolutely insane. Uh, appreciate you coming on board and joining us. Uh, hey, look, we're up against the break. We got more coming up. I suppose I've got to push a few buttons here to uh, make this thing work. Uh, we're going to jump back in uh, just a moment and continue with our discussions on this beautiful Firearms Friday. Broadcasting live from the Ocean Shores Resort in beautiful Homer. I, it's just getting brighter and lighter and the ocean is calling my name. I uh, can't wait. Uh, can't wait. We're going to be back with more gun goodness and your phone calls in just a little bit. We'll be back. We're going to pay some bills. We'll return right after this. Don't go anywhere. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Oh my God, I need more computer screens. That's just, there's just no two ways about it. I got thinking over here, it switches over here, and I got 14 windows folded in on top of each other. It's been a while since I've done this remotely without more than one screen. And it is a nightmare. It is a nightmare. In a world. In a world. Uh, I, I've definitely got the movie voice this morning. So I'm ready to, ready to do something here. Let me go over here. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yeah. Oh, dang. I didn't know, says Eskimo Libertarian. I knew they had to fundraise, but uh, that's insane. Yeah, they had to fundraise $2 million to beat out the federal government uh, on that. Um, uh, I'm pretty, wait a second. Alaska Bull says, well, I mean, I'm pretty sure the Marines is the smallest branch, but the most important branch. Hoorah. Hoorah. Uh, sorry, Semper Fi. Um, 
I'm strangely entertained by the idea that the FDA uh, having an armed task force. Is that milk GMO compliant? No. Get on the ground. Taser, taser. No, I mean, they are no joke. They, the, uh, you, do you remember the story of the Amish farmer who was selling unpasteurized milk and the FDA showed up in literally a, an FDA SWAT team in black tactical gear, boots, MP5s, the whole deal. They showed up at the Amish farmers. Do you not remember this story? I mean, this was a, this was a big deal. This was a big deal when the FDA showed up at an Amish farm, an Amish farmer. I mean, this was a big deal uh, when, when, that, when that happened. Uh, anyway, let me go back up here, see what's going on. Uh, I used to follow the federal acquisition website closely, said Brian. Amazing how much ammunition the feds were buying in 2009, 2010, and 2011. Yeah, and I don't think, uh, I don't think, Quite honestly, it's not like that ammo is going bad. I would really love to see one of these uh, federal warehouses where they've got a lot of this stuff kept, if you know what I mean. Uh, uh, okay. Um, uh, I'm going, so I'm scrolling down here. Um, all right. Um uh, I do remember that, says Anthony. Yes, of course you remember it because it made such big news. It was so ridiculous. People were trying to figure out why, first of all, why the FDA had a SWAT team and had a tactical unit. And why would you use it against an Amish farmer? And I mean, they're, wow. Yeah. It is crazy, man. Absolutely. Cray, 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 cray. Um, all right, let me go over. Oh, I got one line on hold. Okay. So apologize, caller. Let me go over here and first of all, let me turn the, turn you back up a little bit so I can hear you when I bring you back off hold. Let me get your name and we'll figure out uh, where you're calling from. We're going to rejoin the radio here in about, uh, oh, just so just, uh, just about two minutes here. Good morning. Uh, who's this? Where are you calling from? This is Two Gun Pete in Fairbanks. All right, Two Gun Pete, you hold the line, my friend. You'll be first up uh, when we return uh, from the or to the radio from the commercial break. Uh, can I close some of these other windows? Because I'm just not using them right now. I mean, that would really make sense. Okay, um, let me come back over to the comment section. See what's going on. I don't generally like to go tinfoil hat, but if you look at it logically, you have hundreds of benign agencies being used as weapons caches, seemingly waiting for some Order 66 call. And you know what? I I don't really think that that's all that tin... I don't think that that's tinfoil hatty, Anthony. Um, because, again, I did some analysis... Um, it must have been 2013. It was I was still in Fairbanks. I remember that. But I totaled up all the amount of... Because the, there was a couple reports out that talked about how much ammunition the government was buying. And I did the math on it. And the amount of... I mean, it was... They literally would have to be going out and shooting every day these agencies to, to burn up all the ammunition. And I realized that it was, one, to try and prevent the citizens 
from being able to get the, their hands on the ammunition. Uh, and two, that then they could stock that up and use it for any time they want in the future. And they were putting it into agencies that would never have a use for it. So I'm sure it's stuffed in some, you know, some government warehouse somewhere, right? And, you know, they probably got one warehouse for all the agencies. This is your pile. This is your pile. This is your pile. But guess what? It's a huge pile. That's, I don't think you're wrong on that. Here we go. Okay, welcome back to the Michael Duke Show. It is Firearms Friday, and we were just talking about all these federal agencies. And in fact, somebody was talking about uh, Anthony was making a comment about how funny it would be if you're, you know, about the milk and the being tased and all that kind of stuff. And I was reminding people, do you not remember the fact that there was uh, an FDA? That there was an Amish farmer who was selling uh, um, raw milk, unpasteurized milk, and that the that an FDA SWAT team actually came out and uh, and 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 raided the Amish farmer. Do you not remember this? I mean, this was a this was a big deal. I mean, it left a couple of big questions. Like number one, it was an Amish farmer. And, and number two, the FDA has a tactical team, has a SWAT team. I mean, they show up in all big black, you know, jackbooted thuggery, you know, all the full battle rattle with helmets and guns and machine guns and everything else and big badges on their thing that says FDA on their chest in yellow letters. The, F, the Food and Drug Administration has a tactical unit. What? Yeah, I mean that was a big that was a big surprise for a lot of folks. Like they, that really started raising some questions. Two Pistol Pete is up in Fairbanks, um, and that's a healthy moniker. We're gonna go over here and talk to him and see what he has to say. Good morning, my friend. What's on your mind? Well, good morning. You know, I just been listening to you, Michael, and thank you for what you do, man. You're just like right there. I appreciate my question that. is if if the IRS is gearing up to hire all these people so they're going to have more people in there than they are in the military well i mean if they're gearing up to hire a bunch i mean i just made the comment earlier that there's already more armed bureaucrats than in the entire marine corps uh you know so that's 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 a little spooky um and you're right i mean if they keep going at this rate and they keep arming different things then all the federal agencies that are have like I said, a you know, pistol and 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 gun power where they are allowed to carry and do all that stuff. They will outnumber the military at some point if they keep going. Um, I just I find it to be a troubling trend that especially non-law enforcement bureaucracies are being given the authority and allowed to purchase this stuff. You know the, the you know come on Pete. I mean when you look at it, if you get a new gun, if you get some new cool gear. You want to go use it, right? Well, what happens when they issue all this gear to, uh, you know, these various agencies and bureaucracies? They sitting in the closet. They just want to go use it. It it just really incentivizes them to go out and do bad stuff. 
Well, yeah, that's my question. And the thing, the other thing that I'm really curious about is what other kind of military gear are they getting? Are they getting half tracks? Are they getting like, you know, the other vehicles that the, that's stashed somewhere in this town? It's like a, uh, like a tank. Um, oh, all right. Well, remember, what, remember the first. Remember Ferguson? Remember Ferguson when they were rolling down the street? And I mean, it looked like it was an it looked like it was an army unit. They were on like a striker vehicle or a a, a Cadillac exactly. gauge or something, you know. And they're riding down the street on an armored vehicle again in full. It looked like they were looked like they'd just been transported or teleported off the streets of Fallujah or something. And they were rolling down Ferguson, uh, you know, in downtown Ferguson. This is what happens when they were tra- transferring all this high-grade military gear over to police uh, departments. I mean, the militarization of the police, this is just an extension of that same idea. I just, just, you know, if this keeps up the way this is going, Mike, we're going to have our own war in in the United States. We won't even have to leave the country. (laughs) Well, I I hope you're wrong, Pete, Uh, uh, because, again, as I said earlier, I've interviewed some of these people from like Sarajevo and and uh, Serbia and stuff like this, where they've gone through a modern day civil war, and that's not something that I ever want to see uh, on on American Don't soil. Don't either. But you know, you're right. If uh, you you start throwing stuff around like this in the field, all it takes is one bad actor on any side to uh, throw that first uh, match onto the onto the the heap of gasoline, and you got a you got a problem. And, you know, that, that's something I don't think any of us really want to see. No, but somebody is, somebody is kind of like warning us that this very well could happen. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it could happen. It's not something that we'd like to see, but you know, all, all, all you can continue to do is just, uh, you know, continue to push, continue to push the boundaries and, uh, and you know, that it's exactly right. All we can do is prepare ourselves for, Whatever eventuality, like I said, if you prepare for the worst and hope for the best, all your surprises, my friend, will be happy ones. So, uh, thank you, Pete. Thank I you, Michael. Appreciate you calling in, my friend. Uh, let's uh, uh, let's continue ahead here. Just closing out some stuff. Uh, feel free to give us a call if you'd like to sound off. We've got uh, oh, a bunch of lines open at nine zero seven four three three thirty one fifty nine zero seven four three 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 one five zero if you would like to uh if you would like to be part of it i'd love to hear what you guys have to say um the existence of armed irs agents is not new information last year the inflation reduction uh, reduction act apportioned 80 billion dollars in new funding for the agency including 45 billion in enforcement estimated to support as many as eighty-seven thousand new hires Some Republicans recoiled at the idea of tens of thousands of armed tax collectors. Fact checkers helpfully pointed out that the only division of the agency, the IRS Criminal Investigation Division, employs special agents who carry guns. And again, as I was saying earlier, 81,000 IRS employees, only about 2,100 of them are uh, CI special agents who carry guns. PolitiFact reported further that while the IRS did spend about $725,000 on ammunition in 2022, that it's not unusual and is actually a bit less than what was spent in other recent years. Wait a second. 
725,000 divided by 2,100 special agents suggests that on average, every single IRS agent gets $345 a year in ammunition. That's a, that's a lot of ammunition. Open the books details that the IRS is not the only agency with a swelling stockpile. The Department of Health and Social Services employs nearly 500 special agents and since 2006 has spent $154 million on guns, ammunition, and military-style equipment. According to the spreadsheet provided to Reason from Open the Books, the HHS has spent $427,000 on tactical combat gear, $247,000 on ammunition, $100,000 on law enforcement weapons, and $99,000 on virtual reality weapons simulators, along with other expenditures. This is, this is in addition to the line item that's simply listed as law enforcement equipment for almost $700,000. I mean, wh- this is an agency whose stated mission includes fostering sound, sustained advances in the sciences underlying medicine, public health, and social services. Why does it need to... Why does... I, I don't understand. Well, I mean, I do understand, but I'm trying to avoid really understanding it because it's seriously concerning when you start looking at all these agencies who are gearing up and gunning up uh, for, again, the Food and Drug Administration. Why would the Food and Drug Administration need its own tactical unit? I mean, if there was a problem and there was an actual violation of law, why wouldn't you bring in the FBI, the U.S. Marshals, some other federal law enforcement agency? Why would you give guns to the Food and Drug Administration? I, I and that's the questions that people were asking back when this whole thing went down. It is, uh, it's, it's absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy. Um, all right, we got. Uh, Got more coming up here. We're coming up near the end of the show. Willie Waffle is going to be joining us in hour two for our weekend movie review. And uh, I still have yet to talk about uh, the ATF pistol brace discussion. And we're expecting to hear from a couple of our listeners in regards to HB 61. Uh, So we'll be talking about that here as we uh, as we get ready uh, for hour two. We'll probably take that fresh at the top of the hour two uh, hour is that sorry that was re- redundantly redundant we're, we're going to be taking that out there as well it is firearms friday your chance to sound off on issues of a 2a nature for what i consider to be one of the most important fundamental rights in the bill of rights in fact it's the one right that allows all the other rights to exist at all uh and we're going to continue uh the discussion We'll also be uh, listening to Thomas Massey kind of go over and uh, cross-examine Dettelbach, the new ATF director, on the pistol brace ban, uh, where he may have given some inaccurate, misleading, intentionally, I don't know, uh, advice. Uh, For those of you out there who have pistol braces, we're going to talk about all that and more. That's coming up here in Hour 2. Uh, And again, your phone calls and Willie Waffle. Uh, We're broadcasting live from beautiful Homer, Alaska today in the spacious rooms of the Ocean Shores Resort. Uh, Special thanks to Mike and the crew here at Ocean Shores for accommodating us. 
Um, they actually weren't even open for the season yet when they allowed me to come on in. So I appreciate that. We're going to continue with more. Hour two is dead ahead. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. It is Firearms Friday. Back with more uh, right after these messages. One second, I need to hold up. Just don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. doing this again without a second screen it just i mean at some point my brain went wait which one am i looking at which one am i supposed to be watching is it one of these i can't remember um all right i got one line on hold let's go over there and get their name so that we can return to the radio with uh with a fresh caller uh let's go over there right now good morning uh who's this where are you calling from uh, i'm sorry caller hold on a second my bad Again, too many screens open. I didn't, uh, I, I had you muted. So good morning, caller. Who's this? Where are you calling from? It's Fred in Rhode Island. Hi, man, Mike. Hey, Fred. Good to hear from you, my friend. How's, how's life treating you today? Uh, you know, just another, just another day in New England. Just another day. Uh, well, uh, hold, hold on, hold on, Fred. Don't, uh, don't, uh, I'm going to have you hold, hold your steam here. I'm going to bring you back on as soon as we come back. Okay. So I, Always like to have a chat with you, but I want to do it on the air with uh, with everybody in Alaska listening instead of just the 50 or 60 people we have here in the chat room. So hold on and and do uh, do. Uh, Michael, be sure to visit the spit and say hi to our Navy. Awesome ship in the port. I drove down to the port last night and I, did, I drove down to the end of the spit. I didn't even see it. I mean, I was in my own little world just kind of enjoying the views and the thing, but I you know, I, I heard that there was a destroyer out there, but only ha- heard about that afterwards. Afterwards, um, let me go. Um, um, going going through the going through the deal here. Let me see. Um, the LEO to citizen ratio is one to one thousand. How many guns does the citizenry have nationwide? Yeah, I mean that four hundred million dollars is definitely or four hundred million gun number, I think is underselling it quite honestly. But uh, you know, it's there's a lot. There's a lot of guns. There's uh, you know, uh, I think it would be definitely be lopsided uh, if it ever did break out. I think that would be a lopsided engagement to say the least. Absolutely. Um, okay, let me. Um, you know what I can do? I bet I can, I bet I can, uh, bet I can turn my, where is my thing? Uh, 
Sorry, I'm trying to make it easier on myself so that I can watch everything. There we go. Okay. Uh, okay. And it should all go up to the top of the screen. There we go. Okay. So now I can keep one eye over here. I'm using my phone to do something part of the whole sit. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. Okay, let me go back uh, over here. $335, that doesn't cover range days every six weeks. I mean, $335 is not much when you think about it in the uh, in the end. Um, government stupidity. Uh, we, if you remember those days when the feds were buying all the ammo and the shortages are so bad no one was shooting, if they buy it all, the citizens cannot built-in control. That's what I was saying. Yeah, that is what I'm saying. Um, and and Greg is also right. Greg says that uh, it may surplus out at some point. Well, I mean, you'd have to have kind of a friendly administration to do that. But yeah, it might surplus out at some point. In which case, woohoo, woohoo! <laughs> I mean, that would be great. That would be absolutely fantastic. Um, good lord, Dan. Dan. I just don't even know so many, so many emojis in a single comment pretty much is going to get your comment yanked because that's just like a crazy run on sentence with emojis. Sorry. Sorry, Dan. Um, uh, you know, come back, try again. Um, um, Pete was saying, uh, of course, talking about, you know, uh, some kind of civil war thing. And Jeannie said it won't be against our local law enforcement. Those match throwers, which I was talking about, somebody throws a match, will be, get fragged. 20% of local R LEOs are military. Yeah, the problem is, is that, you know, there's a lot of folks, especially here in Alaska, who are also military. I mean, I don't want to see that kind of veteran-on-veteran veteran kind of challenge. I I, I mean, it just, it, it just irritates me. And, and the militarization of the police is is been problematic for years 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 um i worked with quite a few i'm sorry i'm scrolling backwards and i that's what uh i've worked with quite a few officers says genie and i can tell you the vast majority will turn their backs on gubbies in a heartbeat but i mean i i would agree with that as well i would agree i think that's a big deal um uh stealth destroyer uh, okay. We're going to jump back into it. Here we go. Uh, the Michael Duke show, common sense, Liberty based free thinking radio. Fred from Rhode Island is on the line. We're going to continue right now. Uh, don't, don't, don't go anywhere. Here we go.
buddy. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. The Michael Duke Show. I have two guns. One for each of you. Firearms Friday. As Thomas Jefferson stated, it is the right and duty of the people to be at all times armed. To be at all times armed. Say hello to my little friend! I say that the Second Amendment is, in order of importance, the First Amendment. The right to keep and bear arms is the one right that allows rights to exist at all. The right to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Not be infringed. Firearms. From my cold, dead hands. Friday. Where's my rifle? Where's my gun? This is for the Firearms Friday. Oh, baby. Firearms Friday. Your chance to sound off on a Second Amendment issue right here all day on The Michael Duke Show. Broadcasting live from beautiful Homer today, we're in the spacious accommodations of the Ocean Shores Resort, right here, literally on the, I am looking at the ocean right now, a little stretch of grass right out on the ocean. It is amazing. It's an amazing spot, and uh, special thanks to Michael and the whole crew here at Ocean Shores Resort for push, uh, for putting us up and, uh, and uh, allowing us to broadcast here this morning. Thank you so much for all the support and help that they've given me uh, and the show over the years. We really appreciate it. Um, we've got uh, we've got some phone calls coming up. It is open line, open forum today. Gun Q and A all day, and our good whoops, and our good friend, um, our good friend Fred, is uh, in Rhode Island. Fred, hold the line for just a second. Fred, I just closed one. This is the only challenge of broadcasting remotely is I have one window and I just accidentally closed it. Let me go over to Fred right now and see what he has to say as we get things uh, going on. Uh, good morning, my friend. Uh, what's uh, what's on your mind today? What's happening out there in Rhode Island? Uh, you know, another another wonderful day in uh, New England. Uh, reason I'm calling, I'm going to go in a little little different direction than what you've been talking about. Okay. This whole thing down in Texas with this 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 this, this uh, illegal immigrant. Pardon my political incorrectness, but I'm going to keep becoming right, frank. Right, and then right. He, uh, <laughs> you know, this whole this whole thing with this with this illegal immigrant killing the five people in the family and wounding a few others. This whole thing, you know, the media, the, the typical change of disinformation that we have in the, in, in the world today. You know, they they sit there and they they blame. Oh, he had an AR-15. Of course, he had. Of course, he had an AR-15. You know, I mean, it just wouldn't be news sure, without that. Sure, right. They, they they play that yeah they play that whole thing up, but the thing is though you know they spent less more time on how these incidents happen whether it be a school shooting or something stupid like what happened down in Texas with the family and this, this illegal immigrant, and uh, you know instead of why these things happen, you know I mean first of all the guy was in the country illegally he'd been kicked out he'd been deported five times prior to that, and he comes keeps coming back. And this time, I guess he really, he really stepped in it this time, obviously. But you right. know, the thing that gets me is, where does an illegal immigrant get an AR-15? You're not going to walk into any gun shop and buy it. You're not going to sell out any 4473 and have it approved. So where does he get? It? But the media, you think the media would concentrate on that because that would probably open up a venue as to how these people, uh, these 
nefarious people are getting these weapons and causing these problems in the first place, but they don't want to address that. Oh, no, it's all the Second Amendment. It's the NRA. It's the law-abiding citizen who wants to partake in the Second Amendment and use firearms for lawful purposes. But, oh, no, no, they they, they can't go after the real reason. They just kind of play this whole narrative to the way they want to slant it, which is like, let's get rid of the Second Amendment and let's let's control everyone, which kind of flows into your your other part, your other your other subject, and why the government is arming all these crazy little agencies that usually have nothing to do with law enforcement. Right. Well, firearms. again, the whole. I think they, but the, they want to get, I think they want to jeopardize, they want to jeopardize anybody in the in the, in, the, in the appropriate time, like at the beginning of a civil war or civil unrest, or, you know, uh, and, and overthrow the government. You know, they want to be able to, you know, deputize everybody in the government, give them a gun and say, go get them. Well, good. Sounds crazy, well, but I, think I know that, that sounds that sounds pretty crazy, Fred, because, again, good luck, I guess, if, you know, you're going to hand somebody who's never handled a gun before and say you're now deputized, go forth and enforce the federal will. That uh, that doesn't sound good. But, you know, Fred, the whole thing in Texas, the whole thing in Texas, wait a second, Fred, the whole thing in Texas, Proves just one thing. Criminals, by the very definition, will break the law. You've come into this country illegally. You've been deported four or five times. You've got a criminal record. I mean, this guy was just a scumbag to begin with, and he was able to get a gun. Now, whether he bought it on the post-secondary market, whether he stole it from somebody, I mean, who knows? The problem is is that none of the laws that the people have would have suggested would have fixed this. The background checks bill wouldn't have fixed it. The 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 waiting period, none of that, because he was already a prohibited person. He was not a U.S. citizen. Not allowed. I mean, it, it it again. It just proves the point of bad people are going to do bad things. You can't punish everyone for the actions of a very few. All you can do is prepare yourself for those kind of actions. Well, you're, you're absolutely right. Except you know, bringing to the point, returning to the point of the media. Now, the media has a certain amount of influence over the total public. I mean, most people have a little bit of common sense. You can figure out what's BS and what's, you know, what's fact. Unfortunately, you know, there are more people out there who take it as gospel or whatever comes across the screen from CNN and the rest of the, the rest of right. leftist out there in the media world who want to, you know, have, have their own agenda. And, uh, you know, they sit there and they try to play this. They, they just try to play it up as it's, it's the gun's fault, it's the Second Amendment's fault, it's the NRA's fault, it's the gun owner. It's right. The gun well, it's never the person. It's, it's never the person who's willing the gun's fault. That's 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 the the commonality of all these stories. Is it's never their fault. It's because of the guns. It's because of the society. It's because somebody let them down. It's because they weren't loved enough as a child. It was because this or it's because that. It became victimhood. Became professional here in the United States and they're not holding those people accountable. They're not holding people accountable for their actions. You know, the 17 year old kid from high school home invades somebody and gets shot uh, because he was going to, you know, rob or rape or do whatever in this house. And his mom gets on TV and says, Johnny was such a good boy. He would have been, he never would have, you know, Oh, it just, except that he did. And that's the problem. It's all professional victimhood. We're not holding people accountable for what they're doing. Uh, not punishing criminals when they do criminal things, just letting them off, and that's again contributing to this whole mess, Fred. Well, you're absolutely right. You know, like, like the, you know, the point point I want to make is they need to look at why instead of how. You know, the, the how 
is what uh, you know if it bleeds it reads and this is what they play on to get little ratings or whatever. Right. But if you do it a why you make actually come up with an actual solution and they fix the problem. You know that's and they don't want to go there. They don't want to go there because I guess maybe they can't pay any bills with it. But you know that's, yeah. that's not that's, that's not that's not helping anybody. Yeah. Well, I agree. Well, Fred, thank you for signing off today. I appreciate you coming on board and uh, being part of it. Thanks for listening out in Rhode Island. I appreciate it. All right, you take care, Mike. All right, have a great weekend. That leaves uh, lines open at 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. If you'd like to uh, be part of it, now we'd, uh, you know, now we're 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 ready to go. Uh, so a bill to prevent the government from prohibiting sales of guns and ammunition during any kind of emergency passed the House um, this uh, this week. HB 61 uh, is a response, according to Must Read and other sources, to situations that occur throughout the country uh, and that happened during the COVID pandemic. Now, you'll remember this uh, because we covered it pretty extensively when uh, the COVID lockdowns occurred and then... Uh, gun stores were remaining open because gun stores had been deemed to be essential businesses. And yet uh, the Berkowitz administration, Mayor Berkowitz in Anchorage, was sending code enforcement officers out and around uh, and taping signs to the front of, you know, like Sportsman's Warehouse and and Cabela's and some of these places saying that they weren't essential uh, and to other ones and at least five states, including um Alaska and the municipality firearms retailers were arbitrarily closed by governors or mayors. Uh, again, a fundamental right. And uh, the president came out later and, and uh, made that very clear. Uh, when it comes to firearms in Alaska, we are different compared to most states uh, because, you know, of where we are and how we live and everything else. Uh, firearm use for protection and subsistence predates Alaska statehood and the application of the Second Amendment. So this goes back to, again, that historical usage that we're seeing in things like Brune. Uh, According to Kathy Tilton and other uh, co-sponsors, HB 61 reaffirms Alaska's right to survive and protect themselves along with their rights granted to them through the Second Amendment. It stipulates that states and municipalities, uh, state and municipalities and other instrumentalities of the state, basically any political subdivision, may not implement new restrictions to access firearms, ammunition, accessories, or shooting ranges resulting from disaster declarations. The bill also provides a civil remedy to Alaskans should any of these entities try to uh, violate the provisions of the bill. Uh, Voting against the Second Amendment rights bill, no big surprise here, Jenny Armstrong, Ashley Carrick, Elise Galvin, Andrew Gray, Sarah Hannon, Rebecca Hemshoot, Donna Mears, Genevieve Mina, and Andy Story. They were oh, some angry, angry women. Except, well, except for Andrew Gray, who's not a woman. But, I mean, it just seems like they are, they are. And then on top of that, we saw a lot of nonsense coming down from the Alaska Gun Rights uh, Coalition. Oh, yeah, by the way, David Eastman also voted against it. Um, which I forgot that was, I forgot. I didn't let the other shoe drop. That was the other shoe was that David Eastman also voted against, which it turns out was exactly the same bill with exactly the same language that apparently he and Chris Kirka had put forward last session, but now it's no good. Now it's no good. Now it is anti-gun. 
so says the Alaska gun rights people. Uh, I don't know if you saw some of the posts that were going on out there uh, about this, but the uh, the Alaska gun rights folks, uh, I just don't understand it. How can you take something? How can you take something and twist it and with a straight face look at people and say, this is really what it's about, and oh, by the way, give me money at the end? Because that's what, if you look at their post, uh, Jen Robin had a, she actually had the whole thread. She posted it out on her Facebook page and she had the whole thread and it was like all these misleading statements about the bill and everything else. And at the very end, it says Alaska gun rights. We don't do, you know, it costs money to do all this. Please send us five or 10 or 15 or 20 bucks. And, and it's, so they're fundraising on the back of the lies that, what is going on? What is going on with certain people in the state? It's it's kind of, a, especially when it comes to gun rights. I mean, I'm waiting for them to put up some kind of post about how I'm anti-gun. Because that would make about as much sense as what some of the other stuff that they're saying right now. I'm waiting for them to come up and say that I'm a boot-licking lackey for the government and that I'm anti-gun. I'm re- I really am. That's what I'm waiting for right now. Uh, Kevin, thank you for clarifying. Last session, it was Kathy Tilton's bill. Um, and then they, uh, Kirka and, uh, Kirka and Eastman were co-sponsors, but now it's not, the bill's not good. The bill's not good. That's what they say. That's what they say. Um, I, I just, I just don't even know how to respond to it. I mean, again, supposedly an organization that is uh, in their title, they're talking about Alaska gun rights, but at the same time, they are in opposition to a bill that would protect gun stores, gun ranges, ammunition supply stores, everything else from being remaining open during a some kind of crisis or natural disaster. And they're saying, well, because unless it's for all businesses, then this is just singling out the Second Amendment. Man. The stupid is strong in this one. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of what we're what we're looking at. Um. Oh, I guess we're up against the break. Okay, so we got to go. Uh, I got more to discuss. I got more to talk about. Uh, one final subject. Thomas Massey, uh, really took uh, Dettelbach, Steve Dettelbach, the uh, new ATF director, to task over the arm brace ban. And uh, I watched the video, and and Dettelbach really gave some information that I thought, that just doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem like what the law actually said when I read it. Uh, and other people are asking the same question. Did he uh, give folks an out on that? Or is it uh, something different? I, I don't know. We're going to go over that. I'll play you the exchange. We'll talk about it. We got more coming up. Willie Waffle going to be joining us at the end of the show this morning. It is the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking gun radio. Back with more right after this. Our light, our guide. And our trusted friend.
right, guys. Uh, you ready to? Oh Lord. Um. Uh, I was confused by those emails. Also, said Gordon. They stated that the bill gave the right of the government to close gun stores when they close other stores during disasters or pandemic. I read, oh, it, the thing is cut off. Um, uh, is that the video? Uh, uh, Gordon, you can, if you cut that up into separate comments and repost it, I'd appreciate that. Um, Mr. Mr. Masta over on uh, Twitch says, is that the video where the ATF director wouldn't answer the questions and just danced around looking and sounding like an idiot? Yes. Yes, it was. I mean, that was some of the most uncomfortable. You watch that stuff. He never, I mean, he never gave an answer. Thomas Massey was getting pissed about it because you could see he kept trying to, you know, he'd try and corner him into a question where he'd actually answer it. And in the end, he finally got an answer out of him. But yeah, you watch that hearing with Dettelbach. With uh, it was Massey and uh, who's the guy that's called for the defunding of the ATF? The I can't remember the guy. I mean, just, there's a half a dozen people in there that uh, that that had that asked him questions, and some of it was freaking brutal, just brutal to watch. Oh, but it was so much fun, so much fun to watch this guy. Uh, it is uh, it's pretty amazing. Um, uh, to see, I get, you know, luckily my YouTube algorithm is right on target. Cause I, if I pop up YouTube on my TV at home, I'll get all like, here's your five minute suggestion list. And that would, that one was right at the top. There was a half a dozen different videos that were about five minutes a piece of him being questioned by this committee. And he was just now that he did a great job of deflecting cause he never really answered the questions very, you know, very, very rarely got painted into a corner. But these these congressmen were having none of it. It was brutal, brutal, awesome to watch. So, uh, anyway, um, yeah, not one and not not even one answer in the video I saw. Says uh, Mr. Mastiff. Uh, he did answer some questions, and specifically, he talked about the uh, the uh, arm brace. And how you're supposed to do it. Um, let me, you know what? I forgot. I just realized. Um, everybody needs to let me know if you guys are able to hear this audio. Because I just realized that sometimes that's a problem. Let me know if you can hear this. Right, but people End of are. May, so we're, and it was 120. Could you guys, did you guys hear that? Did you hear that little blurb of audio? Did you hear that? Did you hear it? Could you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? No, you couldn't hear it. Dang it, Bobby. Dang it. Um, how much time have I got? Um, a minute and a half. Uh, okay. So let's see. Can I, can I, uh, can I do this? Let me see if I can launch a second window. Do I have time to do it? It's a minute long. Uh, you guys may end up with a minute of dead air as I do this real quick. You're going to have a minute of dead air. You're going to still watch me, but here we go. Let's uh, let's see if we can do this. Okay, so I got it.
Okay, welcome back to the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. I knew I should have recorded that clip before the show started this morning. Uh, all right, so we were just about ready to talk about what's going on uh, with uh, Dettelbach, the ATF director who was on the hot seat uh, in front of a House committee uh, on, on a House committee that was formed on how the pistol brace rules are going to be enforced and how gun owners can comply. And Thomas Massey asked the question on Twitter as to whether or not the ATF director created a new legal defense for millions of pistol brace owners in his sworn testimony. He suggested that compliance can simply be achieved by simply detaching the the brace from the firearm and keeping them separate. But according to the the plain reading of that, that is might not necessarily be the case. Um, that that might not that might not be right. Um, but here's here's what he had to say uh, when he uh, when he has testified with Thomas Massey asking him the uh, asking him the questions. Hey, but people End of are May, so we're and it was 120 days. Is that correct? People are only felons if they intentionally Is it 120 days? the law. Uh, I believe it's 120 days. So, I, first of all, I guess I should have given you a little context there. He's asking him about the deadline for when people have to uh, comply. May 31st is the deadline, but they had 120 days up to that point. He's trying to get clarification on how, uh, on how soon Americans have to comply with Because many Americans still don't know that this law and this rule is going into effect. There's millions. They said there's something like four million pistol braces out there, and people, many people have. They're not plugged into the cell sec. They're not following this along. They have no idea. They could immediately become felons. Uh, but this, so this is where the question started. I apologize. I just wanted to give you some context on it. Hey, but people End of are. May, so we're and it was 120 days. Is that correct? People are only felons if they intentionally. Is it 120 days? The law. Uh, I believe it's 120 days. From the so we've got 36 days left of the 120 day grace. Okay, wait a second. People are only felons if they intentionally violate the law. If they intend, that's not how the law, ignorance of the law is no excuse. If they intentionally violate the law, they're only felons if, oh, okay. People are only felons if they intentionally violate the law. Is it 120 days? The law. Uh, I believe it's 120 days. From so the we've got 36 days left of the 120-day grace period. Can you tell us here today how many people have complied by registering this product? Uh, I am not sure of the exact number. I can check, though, and get back to you. Uh, there are people who are making applications. There also can be detachment. So in other are words, we don't count. We don't, it, that's not for us to regulate. If somebody simply, we wrote the rule to make it easy to comply with. If somebody just at their home detaches the weapon from the brace and keeps them apart, uh, they do not have to register anything. They can keep the brace. They can keep the business end of the gun. Okay, that, that's a great clarification. So you're not going to do some kind of constructive uh, prosecution where you say, oh, well, you had this and you had that and you intended to connect they're keeping them. The, I mean, if they can just keep them separately. them as we... Keep them separately. Okay, because that's not clear in your rules. Um, And in fact, that's not not just clear in the rules. That actually goes against past uh, ATF practice. Constructive 
uh, constructive uh, uh, prosecution is all about you having bits and pieces that meaning that you could. I mean, I remember one time they arrested a guy who had, uh, you know, fender washers and muffler pipe in his shop saying that he basically had uh, he basically had the, the construction components for a suppressor. Uh, I remember people being uh, busted for having a shoulder stock for some pistols, uh, even though they historically had had a stock, even though they weren't connected and that they it was constructive, that they were uh, a charge with having a short barreled rifle without registering it because they had the shoulder stock over here and they had the pistol over here. I mean, this is, you know, this is a whole new piece of ground for the ATF. And now, of course, he could just go out and say, well, I was mistaken when I talked about my because he is I mean, he is flustered and confused on a lot of those things. Um, and Massey even points out in his own tweet that his statement appears to be in direct conflict with the ATF's own language. The ATF rule says to comply in this manner, the owner must, quote, permanently remove and dispose of or alter the stabilizing brace such that it cannot be reattached, thereby removing the weapon from regulation as a firearm under the NFA. Meaning you can't just, I mean, Dettelbach said take it off, set it aside, do this, do that. You can't just do that. You would have to take it off and maybe cut it into pieces, cut the lugs off the end of it so it can't be reattached, damage it in some way, or dispose of it. You can't. I mean, that's what it says. It's it's very clear. Um, the uh, AT, And he said Thomas Massey is going to go ahead and said I'll, he'd be sending the ATF director a letter asking him to clarify whether the compliance option he suggested is accurate and complete. If he was wrong, he says, he may have just put millions of gun owners in legal jeopardy. But I got to tell you, if you'd like some good Friday night viewing, if you'd like a little bit of just good Friday night viewing, you you should go watch the uh, the Dettelbach interviews that are up on uh, YouTube right now uh, during this hearing because it is some fascinating, um, fascinating stuff that uh, d to watch. It's uh, it's it's great stuff. Uh, all right. Uh, what do we got here? We got a few minutes left. What else did I want to cut? I'm just looking at what else did I want to touch on this morning? Oh man, the stupid is strong in this one. I was going to talk about, uh, talk about this. Uh, I mean, I've heard some really dumb arguments over the years about gun control and, and anti-gunners and everything else, but nothing, nothing, uh, this, 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 this town in Illinois takes the cake. Naperville, Illinois. Its attorneys uh, are trying a very original defense of the city's ban on so-called assault weapons in their latest filing with the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. From a legal perspective, the city's claim this is this is what their this is their novel argument. The city claims that the right to keep and bear arms extends only to handguns. That's what they're saying. I mean, not is that like one of the only dumbest things. It is directly contradicted by the Supreme Court uh, on several different opinions in, uh, in, in that. The Firearms Policy Coalition has got a post up uh, on Twitter. Napperville says, in short, nothing in Heller or Bruin suggests that the Second Amendment protects any rights unrelated to possession of handguns for self-defense inside the homes. Uh, and, I mean, they did... I mean, did these people, did these lawyers, did they even go to law school? I guess that's my first question. Did you guys even really go to law school? Second of all, what about that passage in Heller that talks about, 
you know, the Second Amendment extends prima facie to all instruments that construe bearable arms, even those that were not in existence at the time of the founding. Or the Supreme Court's decision on Cantano, or the whole Bruin decision, or the, I mean, you got, how crazy do these, these people be crazy, right? I mean, how crazy do you have to be to look at this stuff and just say, we're just going to keep doing it? I mean, how many court decisions, I guess, since they've got the power of the public purse and can do all this kind of stuff and defend themselves in court and have their cities go out there and do their political will and try and push this agenda on it, even when it's blatantly, blatantly unconstitutional, I guess they'll just keep doing it until somebody decides to unelect them. I mean, I think that's, I think that that's what it's going to take. Somebody's going to have to unelect these jokers and uh, and make it happen. I just I can't see it happen in any other way right now. Oh man, it's just it's so it's so painful to watch this kind of stuff happen. The stupidity is so strong in that. All right, we got more coming up. To Willie Waffle going to be joining us in the next segment. Um, I got a line on hold here, but we're going to take that off the air because I know Willie's going to be hot and heavy coming in. We're going to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy and some other stuff while I enjoy the beautiful view from my room here at the Ocean Shores Resort in uh, downtown Homer. We'll be back with more. The Michael Duke Show continues. Um, don't, <laughs> don't forget you can come out and join us. I'm sorry, the comments on Facebook are cracking me up. Uh, don't forget you can come out and join us on Facebook. Uh, every morning, facebook.com slash Michael Duke show. We'll be back with more right after this. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook live and Michael Okay, let's go over to the uh, caller um, so that I can uh, talk to them real quick. We'll take this call off the air because I know I got Willie coming up here in just a minute. Uh, he's going to be ringing in. Uh, good morning. Uh, oh, on it. The delay on this is sometimes. Let me click that one more time. There we go. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Michael. It's Kevin calling from Juno. Hey, Kevin. What's on your mind, my friend? What's happening? Oh, not a whole lot. I was going to talk about HB61, but you got Willie coming up. I kind of left it for Jen to talk about this. Uh, she's got so much information that she's been collecting. In, uh, yeah, I was uh, expecting her to call this morning, it. and I just hadn't heard from her. So, yeah, I was expecting her to give us a ring this morning. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we got five, we got five yeah, minutes no here if you want to give us a quick uh, thing, and maybe we'll get Jen on on Monday or something. Sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, the the thing that the gun rights Alaska, which is uh, Rick McClure's outfit and uh, uh, Eastman and Pat Martin, and they're worried about sentence four, which is uh, paragraph A, section one, paragraph A, subsection four. It says unless the closure or limitation applies equally to all forms of commerce within the jurisdiction, closing or limiting the hours of um, you know, so they're worried about that sentence, and they think that it codifies and gives the, the state some ability to close down um, gun stores or other any other stores. 
And, uh, you know, truthfully, the state doesn't have that ability one way or the other that falls to the municipalities. All this bill does is says to the municipalities, if you are going to close all stores, that's fine. But right. If you're only going to close a few, the gun stores have to stay open. And, and, you know, when you think about it, the gun stores are not, I mean, when you think about, like, Sportsman's Warehouse, it's not just a gun store. In an emergency, you might go there to get a generator, mountain house food. Yeah, t- um, camping gear, extra blankets, control. yeah, all kinds of. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a sporting goods store in an in a natural, in a disaster, an emergency, a lockdown, a sporting goods store should be the number one store right behind the grocery store that should remain open because of all the things that you may need there. Right. In, in you know, in public testimony, it's the, one of the funniest public testimonies I've heard was a guy that got on and said, you know, during the lockdown in Anchorage, I could I could go buy things to get high, I could go buy things to get drunk, and I could actually go to a you know a sex store, but I couldn't buy a gun. And uh, you know, it, I mean, the way he said it was it was just kind of funny. So, um, you know, you could also go to Mayor Berkowitz's uh, bistro in South Anchorage yeah, if you wanted. So, exactly. Yeah. Uh, no. We, Amazing how that worked, right? Amazing how that worked. Well, let me ask you a right. let me let me ask you a question, Kevin. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but let me ask you a question. That's that that line four that they were having a problem with. Was that line in the bill the last time it came through when they were co-sponsoring it? Was that same line there? Word for word, including the comment, including the punctuation. <laughs> <laughs> but then it was okay. But now, because somebody else is carrying it, it's a problem. I mean. Is that really what it's about? Is it about who is getting the glory for it? Is it about making some kind of point? What's it What's it about? Well, I, you know, you don't want to describe or I don't want to ascribe motives to people, but it just seems like this year they have a reason to beat up on Speaker Tilton. Um, you know, she had to let one of the uh, Eastman staffers go. Yeah. And I think that's probably the root of it. You know, the uh, David is tied in with the, uh, Rick McClure, um, Rick McClure's gun, um, Alaska gun rights, and his son is on the board, and his right. son is also David Eastman's staffer. And, of course, Pat Martin, who is David's best friend and supporter and went with him to Washington, D.C. on January 6th, he is, uh, you know, he's also on the board for uh, Alaska gun rights. So, you know, I, I, I'm not saying they did anything wrong. They were absolutely, if they wanted to bring it up, they're absolutely right, but this hammering people, uh, myself and Tilton, and there were 19 other co-sponsors of, of HB 61, hammering us and saying we're anti-Second Amendment because we didn't agree with their interpretation. And it's theirs. It's not their lawyers or right. anybody else's. It's their right. interpretation. You know, saying we're anti-Second Amendment because of that is ridiculous. Yeah, no, I agree. I read through it. I didn't see anything wrong with it. I thought that, again, it just made me scratch my head and go, what? Why? 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 Why more of this? Why more of this? All right. Well, Kevin, thank you for the heads up on this. I appreciate it, and uh, uh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll talk with you next week. Okay. Sure. If you ever get Jen on, ask her about the DC project. She's heavily involved in that, and I think it's a fabulous. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. No, group. we've talked to Donna Anthony about that, and I'd love to talk more with Jen about it as well. So, all right. Thank you, Kevin. I appreciate it.
All right, sir. Say hi to Willie. I will. I will. I appreciate it. Okay, folks, we are running out of time. My phone is buzzing. We're ready to go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like it, share, like it, share, like it, follow. Do all the things. Let's, uh, let's get entertained, shall we? Okay, fine. You ready? You ready to do this uh, whole weekend thing? I am. Man. Uh, Broadcasting from the deluxe accommodations of the Ocean Shores Resort here in Homer. Just beautiful. Just beautiful. I mean, the view outside my office today cannot be beat. Uh, Speaking of cannot be beat, nobody beats Willie Waffle. Well, at least without, you know, paying him first. Willie Waffle, WaffleMovies.com. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm feeling pretty good. I mean, it's been it's been kind of a crazy week in Hollywood Man. this week. I mean, we we got lots of movies to talk about, but yeah. holy smokes, the, the the news has been hot and heavy. I know. I've been watching some of this stuff going on, and I'm like, I hope this doesn't affect some of my favorite stuff. And uh, unfortunately, it's probably going to. Right? I mean, that's really the that's really the long and the short of it is this is going to affect us. Yeah, I think so. So, you know, what we're talking about is the Writers Guild of America, the union for all the writers uh, who write, you know, TV and and streaming shows and movies. They have gone on strike as of Monday. And, uh, you know, the first casualties are the late night shows. They, They immediately cannot go on the air because, well, the writers are on strike, so nobody can write the shows. And I think you're going to see more of a rolling impact on something like this. Right. Uh, you know, the, the immediate impact up the late night shows. Then, you know, a lot of the stuff that's already uh, your your television season stuff is over. OK, I mean, they, they were done writing those episodes probably a couple months ago. Right. Uh, but but the, if the writer's strike goes into, say, late June, early July, now you're looking at the possibility that the fall television season could be delayed. Yeah, uh, you could you could be looking at a lot of a lot of uh, programs that are being produced for, say, Disney Plus or Amazon Prime or Netflix that are not going to be able to go into production because they haven't written scripts yet. So that's going to be the big impact. Uh, You know, there was, of course, the shocking impact that just broke yesterday afternoon. Drew Barrymore has had to drop out of the MTV Movie Awards this weekend. Uh Uh-oh. What happened? Because of the strike? Because there's no writers. They haven't, they, you know, a show like that, and this is a great example, a show like that, has has writers working up working on it up until the very last moment right tweaking and things. so yeah so they can't really tweak all the really big stuff that's happening especially like oh i don't know there's a little bit of a coronation going on on, on mm. saturday that might uh, yeah. might yield some uh, might yield some funny moments that we want to <laughs> have fun with yeah so you know things like that are going to start popping up uh you know, at some point, you know, the Emmys are going to be in danger if, right. if the strike goes on long enough. And yeah, it's all about money. It's always about money. Well, and, and, it, and it's yeah. it's about stream. It's about it's really about streaming right now. That's what the yep. writers are upset about is the residuals on streaming. Much different than the movies. Much different than you know broadcast television. It's a whole different thing. And 
they nothing has really been adjusted since streaming became such a big thing. And so now it's a whole now it's a whole thing where now they've got to change everything and who knows what's going to happen. Oh, no, I, I totally agree. And, and you know, the, the writers are fighting back. They're saying, listen, you know, when, when it comes time to negotiate our contract, everybody cries poor. Yet you're paying your CEO two hundred fifty million dollars. Yeah. So you know that was that was a direct quote from one of the one of the uh, writers on strike this week, uh, talking about Warner Brothers uh, Dis- Discovery the CEO. So he's like, you know, hey, don't tell me you don't have money for us. You got money for the right. things you want to put money towards. Well, because they're, uh, they're making yeah. like half of what they were making on like a regular television show because of the way the streaming system works. They're working for a minimum number of days, so they're literally making about half, maybe two thirds of what they were making before. Yeah, and like you said, the the, uh, the the residuals on a stream program were negotiated very low because nobody thought there'd be a lot of money in it. Uh, also, you know, the the companies that were starting this off were were running streaming as a lost leader, uh, you know, before it really exploded the way it has. Uh, you right. know, and 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 there's just not the syndication market that there used to be. Uh, you know, I, I I remember Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David making a joke one time. We were the last ones in the golden door. We were the last ones to have the great syndication deal where we just became billionaires. Right. And they're and they're right. I mean, you know, programs just don't last like they used to. They don't run in syndication like they used to. You know, streaming programs, I mean, they're alive on the streams for a long time, but it's not like there's a lot of people going back and watching them every single night. Only a few uh, programs really have right. that uh, that luxury. So, uh, you know, I think you're looking at, uh, again, how long does the strike go? I'll tell you the first program that's impacted, and you, I know you're not going to like to hear it, Yellowstone. Yeah. Oh, no, it might be dead. I mean, this might uh, actually kill the program. Yeah. 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 Be- between that and now Kevin Costner, uh, his wife filed for divorce and, you know, he, he's off making his own movie. Now he's got personal problems, and they, they, they haven't written any scripts for the program yet. Uh, Yellowstone is in a lot of trouble. Yeah, and the problem, of course, is that it was at a mid-season break. So, yeah. I mean, that's just, that's the cliffhanger from hell right there. All right. Well, uh, I guess we'll see, you know, what happens with that and how that affects us and, you know, when they, when they get out of it. Um, speaking, you mentioned Amazon earlier, Amazon's moving some programs, uh, f- uh, to its second, which used to be called, what did it used to be called? Tubi? No, I can't remember. Anyway, it's Freebie now, right? Freebie, like TV, but it's free. It's Freebie. Yeah. So this is like their other streaming service and it, 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 it's exactly what it says. It's free. So you, you, you get commercial breaks in your programs, just like if you were watching over the oh, air broadcasting. irritates me. Yeah. Well, but you know they're 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 going to do it. They've got over a hundred of their uh, programs, a hundred of their original programs that they're going to be made available. Uh, you know, some of them include Reacher, The Wheel of Time, A League of Their Own, Bosch, uh, The Summer I Turned Pretty. These are all things that are rolling out uh, every month uh, over the next few months, and oftentimes they're going to tie the premiere on Freebie to the new season of the program when it's going to hit Amazon Prime. Right. So you're going you're going to start right. seeing that as a a marketing uh, ploy if you will. You know, here's the thing. I mean, I'm an Amazon Prime member, so I have Amazon Prime Video. Uh why don't you also leave it on Amazon Prime Video and then put cuz Freebie's hitting a different audience. They're willing to watch ads, they're willing to do it. I don't understand why you couldn't play you own both platforms. Why wouldn't you put them on both well, platforms. I think they're going to keep them on both platforms. That they're they're using Freebie almost as a marketing tool. Like okay. you know, okay. you you haven't you haven't subscribed to Amazon Prime, but you've heard a lot about this Reacher program. 
check it out for free on freebie right, and i'm sure right. we'll have lots of commercials during the airing of the program that show you how you can become an amazon yeah. prime video member <laughs> well it was like it was like bosch legacy right it was not available yeah. on amazon prime it was only available on freebie i had to watch it with ads it was one of the most irritating things about a great show is that i had to watch it with ads so yeah and they, and they did that because they they thought that was going to drive a lot of freebie interest well, and that's true. I guess that's yeah. true. But still, no, I'm not interested in freebie. Sorry, that's just, <laughs> that's just how it. You know, I'll watch it if it if it's not on any other service. I'll watch it on freebie. Uh, all right, last one for news: Sylvester Stallone returns. Wait, to what? To some movie back in the 90s that nobody remembers. What was that again? I'm sorry, hit me with. Nobody that. remembers. Nobody remembers. <sighs> cliffhanger baby cliffhanger the one where sylvester stallone is a mountain climber who takes right. on terrorists yes this was <laughs> this was like you gotta remember this was a massive comeback movie yeah, for sylvester stallone back in 1993 yeah. i mean he had done some really bad comedies he had done some really bad movies the rocky movies were finished at that point the rambo movies were finished at that point he needed a lifeline and cliffhanger provided it and now that he's having like what now what his third comeback? Right. Uh, you know, he's he's bringing back Cliffhanger. They're going to do a sequel uh, where you know they're going to have a whole younger cast around him. He'll lead an ensemble, and uh, I I have a, I have a feeling they're going to be fighting terrorists again. Yeah, I mean I remember the movie. Don't get me wrong. I mean I was kind of joking yeah. about that. But, <laughs> I mean, but it was I mean it wasn't like the greatest movie ever made. I mean it was not even his best movie in the comeback era really i mean it's just it's okay it's just not yeah i mean it's a solid action movie yeah it's a solid yeah. action movie would i was i looking for a sequel you know 30 years later no but uh, <laughs> we weren't I, looking for a sequel 2 years later yeah no i really i just you know <laughs> All right. But you, why why do we do it? Because everything old is new again. Oh, and if we have a marketable title that we can roll out again, just brush off the dust and put some younger actors in it, we're going to do it. Oh, it's so stupid. All right. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll see how it rolls. All right. On to the movies. Of course, we've got Guardians, which we're going to talk about. But first, let's talk about Queen Charlotte. Yes, a Bridgerton story. That's uh -oh. right. This is a spinoff of Bridgerton. So you know what that means. It it might be a little naughty <laughs> and, uh, you know this, this this no this is this is actually i think it's an interesting series you know it, it's all about queen charlotte you know who we know from bridgerton we look back in time we go to a prequel when she first meets and in in, in is arranged to be married to king george the third america's most hated king of all time right right and, yeah yeah, and now, of course, he's going to be the star of a show that everybody's going to watch this weekend. Yeah, so, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, we see their struggles. We see their love blossoming. Blossoming. and uh, Blossoming? Uh, I like, yes, yeah, blossoming. blossoming. Yep. And her efforts on behalf of other British minorities. So, you know, what's interesting here is that, you know, there really was a Queen Charlotte. She really was married to King George III. Uh, you know, the, she really probably was biracial at a time when that you wouldn't expect that in royalty right and so there's an interesting story to be told and instead they're going to tell a lot of gossipy stuff and yeah. make up some other things yeah because bridget <laughs> I, I walked into my wife one day and you know it, one evening i came home and i'm like what are you watching and she's like oh it's bridgerton she goes it's trashy and i love it and i'm like okay uh and i'm watching this and i'm just like it's so crazy some kind of alternate universe kind of thing. 
Um, but it, it she it's hugely popular and everything else. And like you said, they had a great opportunity to do something here, tell some real storytelling, but it just kind of goes back to the gossipy trash. But it's hugely popular. I guess some of us are just wrong about that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And, you know, listen, it draws you in. I mean, it's entertaining. I'm, I mean, it's three waffles entertaining. Oh, friends. wow. That's how entertaining Holy it is. Cow. Okay. I'm, you geez, know, I've lost all faith and respect. Well, in you know, hey, come on. You've got some great chemistry here between yeah. the young Charlotte and the young George III. It makes you want to root for these crazy kids, even if, yes, King George III is the most hated monarch in American history. Yeah, and he's loopy as Loopyville. Okay. Well, and they get into that a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, he was nuttier than Squirrel Poo, that guy. By the end, dementia, ooh, it was bad. Um, all right, well, uh, three waffles on the Bridgerton story. Now, of course, we want to talk about what we've been waiting for, Guardians of the Galaxy. Volume three. Volume That's three. right. It's it's the it's it's maybe the final. Who knows? I don't. I you know I I never believe anybody when they say it's going to be our last movie because right. if this one makes a ton of money, they'll find a way to get the gang back together. Right. right. And uh, you know, but it is it's a decent ending. Uh, you know, the, the the story really revolves in this time around Rocket the Raccoon, and uh, you know we we uh, we open up the the movie with. His his creator, the person who kind of you know made him who he was, wants him back and sends the forces to get him. He's injured. He's on his deathbed, and the rest of the guardians decide. Well, then they're going to go find out what it what they need to do to save Rocket. And if that means taking on this uh, this creator guy, well then get ready for the fight. Oh man. And, you know, yeah, and it's interesting because you know they do a great job. I think you know, interweaving kind of the rocket story into the story that they're telling right now. You know, you see what happened to him, the lab that he was in, what was done to him, the the relationships he had, his tragedy and his triumph, and, and we see all of that kind of along with the rest of the gang being the Guardians of the Galaxy, being pretty funny, right. you know, being very action-packed. Uh, you know, we're, we're watching uh, Star-Lord, you know, pining away over his loss of Gamora, now living with kind of this alternate universe one who, you know, doesn't care for him at all. Right, right. Uh, I forgot know? about that. Yeah, no. Yeah. Uh, well, it, it sounds like it's exciting. Uh, Guardians has really always been kind of a surprising hit. I love it. It's so funny and irreverent. It's got great chemistry. Give me a negative one to four waffles. What do you say on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3? You know, I'm sitting at a three. I'm sitting huh. at a three because, you know, I feel like it's kind of stretched out. Uh, you know, it, 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 it seems kind of rambling at times. Uh, you know, you, I think you could probably cut out a lot of fat here, make the story tighter, make it more interesting. I think there's just long periods of let's just give them some action. Yeah. Let's just have them be goofy instead of really making it count towards the story. But still a three. For a Marvel movie, yes. that's a pretty good yes. waffle meter. Right? And two scenes in the credits, one real early and one at the very, 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 very end yeah. that you are going to want to see if you are a diehard Guardians fan. All right, wait for it. Willie Waffle, wafflemovies.com. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate you being here. Well, you're welcome. And, and next week, I don't know what we're going to talk about because, uh, you know, the book club two is coming out and... There's got to be something on the streams to oh talk about. Oh, my God, please, yeah. Please, please, All right. Please, please. Thank you, my friend. Hey, we got to go, folks. I appreciate you being part of it. Uh, thanks for coming in. Uh, we will see you on Monday. God willing, the creek don't rise. We'll see you then.
I, you know, I mean, I think Guardians are consistently some of the best Marvel movies out there, really. Uh, I yeah. think, Willie. I mean, when you look at them as in total, I mean, there's some great Marvel movies. You know, first Iron Man was actually really groundbreaking. Um, you know, the Captain America movies, both the original Captain America and the Winter Soldier were probably, I think Winter Soldier still ranks up there as probably one of the best uh, Marvel yeah. movies out there. Uh, and yep. then you get some hit or miss, but Guardians pretty consistently really delivers each, you know, what you really looking for in a movie like that. Oh, yeah. And I think, you know, took 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 the Marvel Universe into the universe right. and, you know, and gave them a lot of openings to create some wild, crazy characters, which you see a lot of in volume three, uh, you know, gave you an opportunity to explore other wild and crazy worlds, which you see a lot of in volume three. Right. Uh, so, you know, I think it enhanced the storytelling. It, it gave the actors a lot more interesting things to do. And, and visually they became very, very fantastic. Right, right. No, and I, and again, the quirkiness, it took it off of planet Earth and exp ex it kind of exposed you to the overall kind of Marvel universe in a bigger way. Uh, I think I don't think you could have done it without people like Chris uh, Pratt, uh, you know, and uh, and uh, Drax, uh, David Batista. Oh, Batista, you know, who's always yeah. hilarious. I, yeah. I just I don't think you could have done it without the crew that you had there. It would have been very hard. They have such a great chemistry. I've been really looking forward to it and. Uh, I'm. I guess I'm going to see it in the theater. I guess that's going to be the. I still haven't seen a movie yet since COVID, but maybe this is one I will. I didn't even go see John Wick Four at the theater. Oh my! I know it's hard to believe, but I just I got waylaid, and the next thing I know, I'm like, well, okay, I guess I'll wait for home. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm not promising anything. It's like Willie. I tell him to watch something, he says he will, and then he never does. So I'm just doing the same thing. <laughs> I am the worst. You at are the worst at that. Absolute worst. Oh. All right, my friend. Well, stay safe. Good luck. And uh, thanks for coming on. Hey, you got it, man. I'll be back next week. All right. Uh, my friends, thank you so much. I am going to go out and do my thing here in Homer. I got work to do. And then I'm just going to enjoy hanging out in my adopted hometown, having a little lunch. And just, I can't. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Uh, we will see you on Monday. I mean, I hope. Maybe I'll take Monday off. I don't know. I can't. I can't even decide at this point. We'll see you guys. We'll we'll we'll, we'll see you later. Have a great weekend.
We've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show.